Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Hey, if you listen to this show regularly, you know my goal as the host is to bring really interesting people who have eclectic backgrounds, who talk about what they do as entrepreneurs, because if you're listening to a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, my guess is you're either an entrepreneur or or you want to be, and when we talk to people who are successful, who are doing interesting things, each one of us might pick out some different nuggets of information and some different pieces of inspiration. So that's what I do here on this show is I bring you a variety of people who've done really cool things over their careers who might be able to give you just a little bit of advice that will help you succeed in what you're trying to do. And today is no different. Today I have with me Sonny Melendres. Now, Sonny has had over 30 years in the radio business. And I don't know a lot about the radio business, but I do know that if you're a radio personality – you're an entrepreneur because the radio personalities I've known, I used to be friends with uh, JB of the JB and Sandy show here in town. And, you know, you get bounced around. You're in radio. You're paired up with somebody. They, they cancel your show. You go somewhere else. If you're not entrepreneurial, you can't have a long-term career. And he's done it for over 30 years. And he's been out of it for a while, but he's actually going back into the radio world now as we speak. He has a podcast. He's a speaker. And one of the things I noticed in his bio is that Billboard magazine twice named him National Radio Personality of the Year, and he's part of the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, which leads me to believe that he's going to be a really good interview because he knows how to talk in an audio setting like my podcast. So, Sonny, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you. Thank you. It's very cool to be here. I must tell you, very excited. No, I'm glad to have you here. So I gave a little bit of a background who you are, but but why don't you tell everybody who you are and how you make your living as an entrepreneur? Sure, Tom. And you hit the nail on the head when you said that when you're in radio, you are an entrepreneur because it's true. You're, you're actually working for someone else, but you're always working for yourself. And when I was a kid, I had three dreams. One was to be in radio. One was to be the voice of cartoons. And the other was to somehow work for Disney. And I uh, achieved every one of those dreams. I'll just give you a, a short example of how when you're a, a child, you, you dream these, these big dreams and uh, people may even, you know, kind of uh, put you down for it or not really encourage you. But my parents really did encourage me. Uh, we lived inside my dad's barber shop in a little strip center on the east side of San Antonio. And uh, we didn't even have a full address. The address was 908 and a half Nolan Street. So we, <laughs> you got the half. Yeah, so it was like a, a, a little sliver of a, of a location for my dad's barbershop. And then he partitioned that in half, and we lived in the other half. And the reason we lived there was so that my mom and dad could afford to send my brother and me to a private school and get the education that they never had. And um, we didn't have a phone. Our phone was actually inside the barbershop. It was a little pay phone. And at night, my dad would give me three dimes, and I would take my little tape recorder where I recorded these little shows with my record player and talking just like they did on the radio. And I'd sit on the shoeshine stand in the dark in my dad's barbershop and dial three friends and play these little five-minute shows. <laughs> now, Tom, <laughs> I, I tell people I was podcasting. 
Steve. <laughs> Before the internet, one listener at a time. Podcasting well, via the payphone. It's it might exactly. be a whole new trend that'll start right here. Exactly. And you know, one of the things I tell people is that you don't have to wait to give yourself experience. For instance, if you want to be a speaker like Tom and myself, there's no reason why you can't start speaking, no matter who the audience is. I don't care if it's your your pets, but the more you do something, the better you get at it. And so I had given myself several years of experience with these little recordings. By the time I got my first job uh, while I was going to El Paso in a school in El Paso at UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso, I got a job working on the weekends for $1.25 an hour. And Tom, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> I thought, oh my, I can't believe this. I'm playing all this great music. I'm having fun. And they're paying me $1.25 an hour. Well, sooner or later, that led to being a program director of a radio station there. And within a year, I was then asked to be the program director of the radio station I had grown up listening to in San Antonio. Wow. That's kind, and, of, that's kind of full circle. That's kind of cool. It, it really is. It really is. And I'll tell you something else. When I did that, it was KTSA in San Antonio, which is a really big AM station at the time. It still is. It's got this powerful signal that goes all the way to the coast from San Antonio and beyond. And I would play these um, recordings of a show called American Top 40 mm -hmm. with Casey Kasem. And Casey had that great voice. Hi, this is Casey Kasem, counting down the hits in all the land. And it was just incredible because I thought to myself, this guy, <clears throat> excuse me, this guy has got the greatest job in the world. He's on 500 stations and he has millions of listeners and he's playing the, the, the best songs, and he's telling these great stories. So I thought to myself, what would it be like to be behind that microphone? Well, sooner or later, I got a job in Los Angeles, and my first goal was to meet Casey Kasem, which I did, ended up being friends with him, Tom. And one summer, he called me and said that he was going to be on vacation and asked if I would sit in for him on American Top 40. Oh, what a great, oh, this is cool. This is a great story. <laughs> How's that for a manifestation? And, and I'm old enough to know exactly who Casey Kasem is. Exactly. Another one was Dick Clark. I met him and ended up working on the American Music Awards uh, with him as well. Both of them were great guys. So, Dick, another so, so Dick Clark, I had the opportunity to meet Dick Clark for two days in a row. I was a five-day returning champion on the $25,000 pyramid in the 1980s. No! And no. so I got to spend two days with Dick Clark, and I always say that Dick Clark was a legit nice guy. Wasn't he? And he's also, you know, he. what I loved about Dick Clark was he didn't wait for opportunities. He created them. Mm -hmm. A lot of the shows that he was hosting, he had created himself, and he was behind the camera, in front of the camera, and always really, really smooth. So uh, I was really thrilled. So what years were you in radio in Los Angeles? In Los Angeles from 1970. Two to 1985. So, man, I was listening to you because I grew up in Los Angeles and I graduated high school in 1984. So, wow. Well, so, there you go. So then, you there know, you my, my, my morning drive, my morning station when I would wake up and turn on was Charlie Tuna. Charlie Tuna, great, great friend. And, of course, Charlie Tuna was on KHJ. Yep. Uh, and um, I, I, knew, I knew Charlie very well. He, he passed away not too long ago. So he but used another, to do a another, thing where you could call in and tell like a corny joke. And if he put yeah. you on the air, he would mail you a plate 
And then later it was a creamer because they got a milk company as a sponsor. But the plates were like these little cheesy little plates with Charlie Tuna's face on it and Charlie 2, 93KHJ written on them. And I used to call in all the time and, and tell the jokes. And I would get, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I didn't keep any of them. When we cleared out my dad's house several years ago, my brother's like, what is all this in a box? There was like a whole set of, of Charlie Tuna plates and, and we just gave them to Goodwill. But looking back, I'm like, ah, I should, probably should have kept those. Yeah, really, really. And, and you know, you're the perfect, li- you're the perfect listener because you always called in with something fun and, you know, wanted to participate. So that that's very cool. I'm surprised you never got into radio. You know, it, it's so interesting because with this podcast, people always say, oh, you have a great voice for radio. And I'm like, I, you know, I just, it, I, I wanted to be an actor. I, I wanted to do something like be on the radio. I was just too scared to ever try when I was younger. It took me till I was 40 to decide to get over myself and just go out and do the things I want to do. And, and you know, my, my, my whole mantra, the people who listen to the show regularly know my mantra is make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And I'm uh, almost two years into it and I'm, I'm living that. Absolutely. Well, you're doing a great job. I'll tell you that. And the other thing is you've got that enthusiasm that, that people want whenever they're, uh, that, you know, they're looking for a great speaker like yourself. That's right. Well, if any radio stations are listening, I'm happy to come in and, and fill in and do shows for them. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, anyway, the, the, the great thing about radio is that those were the great days of radio. It's really different now because you stop to think about it. Back then, there were no podcasts. There, were no, there was no satellite radio and all these other competitions. And listening is the one thing you can only do one at a time. You know, you can be listening to the radio and and uh, and watching television or you can be reading something, et cetera. But if you're listening to something, you can only listen to one thing at a time. Right. Like everybody right now is listening to cool things exactly. entrepreneurs do. That's exactly what they're doing. But, you know, one of the great things about also being a kid is that when you see things that you want to do, like you, you talk to a lot of these NBA stars and they will tell you that when they were three years old, they they saw that that's exactly what they what they wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be the voice of cartoons. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to let you mentioned that earlier. I had that written down on my notepad. There was no <laughs> way we weren't going to talk about the voice of cartoons before we moved okay. on from this question. I'll, I'll tell you that manifestation story. So I'm uh, I'm watching on a black and white television uh, with a coat hanger for an antenna. And um, I'm watching my favorite show, Yogi Bear. And Yogi always had that great attitude. Hey, 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 I'm Yogi Bear. I'm smarter than the average bear. And Tom, what was his little friend's name? Hello, boo-boo. Yogi, Yogi, we're going to get in trouble with the ranger. Don't worry about a thing, little boo-boo. Got it under control. Well, this one cartoon I was watching, there was a little duck that kept following Yogi around. And he wanted Yogi to be his mother. And he kept saying, Mr. Bear, Mr. Bear, would you be my mama? In this little duck voice. So when I was watching, I thought, oh, what a cool voice. I'm going to learn to do that voice. Well, I didn't know what I couldn't do. So I turned off the TV. I turned on my little recorder and I started to do the voice. And I tried and tried. It came out real crackly. In fact, I would try it for my mother. And my mother is like four feet two. You know, she's a little short lady. And I said, mom, listen, listen. And I said, Mr. Bear, Mr. Bear, would you be my mama? And my mom would say, ah, mijo parece box bunny, que bueno. <laughs> she, she didn't know. But one day, Tom, out of my little 11-year-old voice came, Mr. Bear, Mr. Bear, would you be my mama? I don't have a mama. 
I'm just a poor little orphan. I was just as shocked as you are right now. <laughs> I could not believe it was coming out of my mouth. And I thought, oh, my God, I can do anything with this voice. So I had a friend who had a car. And we went to a place called Frontier Burger in San Antonio. It's kind of like Sonic. You drive up. They can hear you, but they can't see you. You give your order. So I roll the window down. And the guy says, I got a Frontier Burger. Take your order, please. I would like a cheeseburger. I want to order fries. I want a Dr. Pepper hot apple pie and make it snappy, big boy. <laughs> well, the guy left the microphone on. I could hear him in the kitchen. He says, hey, check it out. I think there's a duck in the red car. <laughs> he comes back on and says, would there be anything else? And I couldn't help it. I said, yes. Would you be my mama? <laughs> my friend was on the floor of the car, and I was officially in show business. Now, fast forward not even nine years. I'm now in Los Angeles. I have an agent, and I start uh, going out for different jobs. And within two weeks, I get my first audition and end up getting the job as doing different voices on the Jetsons cartoon series. Awesome. With the, with the original cast. Now, do you know who Mr. Spacely was? I, I do not. I, I do not know, but I will tell you, I am the right age demographic to have watched all of the original Jetsons. Oh, absolutely. And, and Mr. Spacely was actually done by the great Mel Blanc. Oh, the wow. Of Bunny, Sylvester, Tweety, all those. Well, he became my mentor <laughs> and taught me all these voices. You want to hear some? Sure. Why not? Okay. We're going to start with. Elmer Fudd. He's got that gun. He's looking around. Be very, very quiet. <laughs> I'm looking for a widow gray wabbit. And when I find that wabbit, I'm going to tell my part. Whim from whim. <laughs> What's up, Doc? Have you seen a widow gray wabbit? Big ears, yeah. Big eyes, yeah. Big teeth, yeah. I ain't seen him. Ain't I a stinker? Ooh, I turned into a pretty cat. I did. I did turn a pretty cat. You bet you thought, pretty fam. The pretty fam was me. Well, I'm the wildest, rootness, tootness, shootness. Eh, shut up. <laughs> you just replayed my entire childhood in one minute. <laughs> one thing about cartoons. Yeah, my whole childhood just went right by in those voices. <laughs> yeah, one thing about cartoons is that you don't hold back. You got to just give it all you got. So, so you've done radio, you've done cartoon voices, and then you said your other dream was to work for Disney. So how did yes. that come about? Well, I found out in 1981, actually, that... Uh, there was something in the works called the Disney Channel. And rather than wait to, uh, to find out if there was a, a show that they needed a host for, I created my own show. And so I got my agent to put me in front of the, uh, what they call the suits. And I remember there was like three guys and, and a lady. And I walk in and I give them this whole pitch about the show. It's called Saturday in the Park. We go to parks all over the country. I've got like all these kids with me and then the guest stars show up and I'm, just doing all my gyrations on how the whole thing would, would, uh, would, would look like on television. And at one point, the woman, she looks over at one of the guys and just kind of nods and uh, kind of rolls her eyes. And I thought, oh, great, they're making fun of me now. <laughs> but I just I kept going, kept going. And, and when I finished, I expected them to say, thanks, but we're not, that's not what we're looking for. And it, it was what they said, but they also said, 
we have another show that we think you'd be perfect for, a show called You and Me, Kid, which I ended up doing for nine years. Wow. What was I don't remember that show. What was that? It was called You and Me, Kid. And the whole idea was that uh, I hosted the show with uh, parents and their uh, children. And I would set up an activity, and then they would do it. And you at home would do it with your child. Oh, interesting. So if you had a three or four or five-year-old, and or if you were the grandmother or a big sister, big brother, uh, you'd do it with, their, hence the name, you and me, kid. Nice. And we kind of did an interaction like that. And to this day, I get uh, 30-year-olds who will come up to me and say, I used to sit on my mother's lap and watch your show. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of neat. So, so you have you have really created sort of an eclectic life in your entrepreneurial and showbiz life. What is it that you love about the fact? Because I I wanted to do that type of stuff when I was a kid, and I never had the gumption. I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles, right? I could have I could have yeah. easily gone and tried, and I never did. And I I don't fault my parents for it, but also they didn't know anything about that world. And nowadays, you could Google it and find out how to do things. I mean, back then sure. you had to sort of take the bull by the horns. And and while I pride myself in that now, that wasn't who I was as a kid. So what do you love about the fact that you just did these things and created your own path? Well, I think a lot of it has to do, Tom, uh, as, a, as a child, when you, when you think like a child and you think about this, you're not just the age you are. You are every age you ever were. So if you think of your, 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 uh, your life as a file cabinet of all these perspectives, you can go back and get that same feeling you had at a particular age and, and throw out the bad stuff. Just keep the good stuff. And by looking at life through those different eyes, you're able to literally, you know, generate that same zest for what could be as you've had in the past. And that's what entrepreneurs do. You know, I read an article recently that, uh, that had like five different entrepreneurs and they'd all make it. They're all multimillionaires. And every one of them said they didn't have a plan B. In other words, they were all in. And I think that has a, a lot to do with the, you know, being a true entrepreneur is being all in as you are with your speaking career. Yeah, well, in fact, I tried to do it part time for four or five years, but it was when I went full time in 2009 that really is what gave it the traction. I mean, it took a while, but it, it, if it was being all in that definitely was able to, to, to sort of make that make that sort of happen. So what advice do you then have? I mean, maybe it's be all in, but what advice do you have for someone who's listening to the show who's like, I wish I was more like Sonny. I wish I just went and did this stuff. What, what, for somebody <laughs> who wants to just take the bull by the horns, what, what would you tell them to do? Well, think about this. You know, when I was a kid, there was no internet. There, there weren't all the tools that you have now. I mean, now, you know, you talk about the, the six degrees from Kevin Bacon. Now you have like one degree from anybody you can think of through Twitter, through Instagram, et cetera. And if you really want to, you can connect with someone who's already doing it. And I always tell people this. If you can imagine, you could trade places with anyone in the world, who would that be? And then once you have that person say, oh, my gosh, I'd love to be so-and-so, think about how they got to where they are. You can, you can Google it. You can read about it. But more importantly, you, you can connect with them, write to them, send them a letter, let them know. Because think about it. They came from where you, you, know, from where you are now. And they also have that perspective. And if they're, they're nice people like Dick Clark, they will respond to you. And you'd be surprised where it can take you. 
Well, recently I was saying the one person I would like to have on this show more than anybody else is Barbara Cochran from Shark Tank. And yeah. I don't even know why I have fixated that she would be the person I'd want to have. I've asked. I've been told no. Uh, and I recently had someone say, well, she won't do it unless you pay her. And I know that she has done podcasts because I've listened to them. I, I after, in fact, after this person told me that she wouldn't, I went and looked it up, and, and she has. Now, she hasn't done a lot of them, and some of them are older. But my belief is if she chose she wanted to do something, she would and could do it. My assumption, and I, I've paid attention to her, is I think she's a nice person. So I can't believe that she makes no move in life unless you pay her for it. It just doesn't it doesn't jive me with her success or the stories she tells about about coming up. But I have fixated she's the one person. But I'm also patient. You know, I also think that, you know, our paths will cross. There was somebody I know who's really well connected who said, Who's the one person you would want on the show? And he goes, Oh, I don't know anybody at Shark Tank. I don't know her. And I said, Darn it, I wish she was your cousin. And he laughed. He goes, That would be the best networking story ever if she was my cousin. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that I, I, maybe she'll never be on the show, but, you know, maybe she will, but I just don't believe that all these celebrities are just about, oh, you have to pay me a fee, even if that's their policy, because yeah. obviously you have to separate where you go. You can't do everything you're asked to do. I also don't believe that they all, you know, that they're jerks. I think that these people, if they take a liking to you, they can do whatever they want. And so I still hold out hope that Barbara Corcoran will be on the show. Well, think about this. Barbara Corcoran doesn't know you. Right. What, if, if she did know you, if she was listening right now, she she immediately make sure that that she connected with you. So it's just a question of getting in front of her path. And, and the idea that you're going to have her on the show is you're, that you're halfway there. The other half is don't stop trying. Right. Sooner yeah. or later, you're going to you're going to crack. Well, I, I, I believe that. And like I said, you know, like you said, reach out to these people. I reached out and she said, no, I didn't say, oh, I hate her. What a bit. You know, what a what a B word. I just right. figured I'm I'm not my show wasn't big enough and you know our paths haven't crossed nobody's linked us out but I still believe it's possible and I I I I'm not cynical enough to believe that these celebrities you know who say oh they only do things for money I I don't believe most of them are that way I think a lot of them have a big heart and and they are willing to help people but they you got to cross their path at the right time and oftentimes with the right connection Absolutely absolutely and you just just don't stop trying because sooner or later you will get in front of her I promise you. <laughs> I believe you, Sonny. So here's so here's the here's the other question that I have for you, and that is, you know, I talk a lot in my speeches and in working with companies about what I call the paradox of potential. We get really excited. Someone moves to Los Angeles to become a radio personality, and you know they've got a lot of you know they've got a lot of personality. They've got a lot of potential, but not everybody gets to have the career you did. So what is it that gets people across that gap between potential and results? Great question. Great question. Well, I think that there are three things that will get you to where you want to be. Uh, number one is you truly have to believe in yourself. And you think about it. How can anyone else believe in you unless you believe in yourself? So work on yourself. Love yourself. And, and watch the things you say. You know, a lot of times you hear somebody uh, talk about uh, how they, they won the lottery or this or that. And you say something like, oh, with my luck, I'd probably blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and, and think about it. Those are reverse and those are negative affirmations. So catch yourself and compliment yourself. Tell, tell, tell the universe what it is you're, you're doing. Not what you're going to do, but what it is you are doing. Because opportunity will find you, but it must find you working. So that's the first one. Believe in yourself. The second one is visualization. 
just like you have visualized that Barbara is on your show, and I'm sure you've imagined it, and you've imagined what you would ask her, and you imagine her answering you back. That is all powerful. Visualization it becomes a magnet uh, of bringing to you what it is you want. And a third one, and probably the most important, is gratitude. You must be grateful for everything along the way and give back. If you can give back and there's always someone who would love to be where you are, put your hand down, pull them up to where you are, and more, like, more likely than not, someone will be doing the same for you. We know it's so interesting. This morning, I was running a little bit late coming back to do this interview. This morning, I actually had coffee with a young man who was about 29 years old. He works for a tech company, and he's trying to just figure out his way. It's not necessarily that he wants to be a speaker, but he does kind of want to maybe start a podcast and you know all this stuff. And, and he asked if he could buy me a co- – or he asked if we could meet for coffee. And sure. there's a lot of my peers who are speakers who get a lot of calls for people going, oh, can I pick your brain? I want to write a book. I want to be a speaker or just I want some career advice. And, and they'll complain about it. They tell me, oh, my God, I get all these calls. I just say no. And I'm like, how many calls do you get? Because I only get like three a month at the most. And they're like, oh, maybe two a month, but that's too many. And I'm like, you got to have coffee anyway. You know, you got to eat breakfast. And so my attitude was yes. And he, this young man was very appreciative that, mm. that I met with him. But the fact is, is that why not? I have to, you know, he met at the Starbucks near my daughter's school. And I drive my daughter to school every, well, she actually drives now. She has her permit. But, <laughs> uh, but I take her in her car because she can't keep the car yet. She doesn't have a driver's license, but we have coffee at the Starbucks across from her high school. Then I take her to school and I go home. So I just made him meet me at that Starbucks. I dropped her off. I came back. And, you know, my attitude is, is that why not have, you never know when you say yes to somebody who it's going to be. Exactly. It's, you just don't exactly. know. And I think too many people, there's a lot of people who get all caught up in their head about, oh, you have to protect your time. And I do agree. You can't say yes to every single thing. And it, it goes back to where we're talking about celebrities having reasons to say no. You can't say yes to everything. I get that. But at the same time, I also think that you can overprotect your time. And I think sometimes you have to serve the greater good and be there to help those people who want to pick your brain because you did it to people on your way up. So I think that you just have to do that. So I'm a big fan. I, I typically always find a way to say yes. There might be parameters. Hey, nine o'clock at my Starbucks, you know, make that happen. And the answer is yes. So, Good for you. you know, but I, but I think you're right on that. It's, 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 it's saying yes leads to a lot of opportunities. So no, Sonny, absolutely. I've got more questions for you. I can't let you go yet, but I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance that will ensure you will sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Sonny Melendrez. <laughs> I tell you, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Great Sonny, personal endorsement. <laughs> and there, I, I work with them. They're fantastic. One of the best vendors I've ever had. Hey, Sonny, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing right now with your business? Right now, I'm really excited because I am uh, connecting the dots between my, my speaking career and my radio career. Uh, and, you know, one of the reasons you and I are, are talking right now is because I, I drove up to Austin from San Antonio to listen to you speak 
to the Austin chapter of the National Speakers Association, and you had a whole thing about speakers and podcasting. Should they or should they not? And I loved what you said, and I even wrote it down. And it said, you said that if, if there's a reason you don't want to do it, then that's it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I you don't want to. Have, a a yeah, great reason not to host a podcast, I don't want to. <laughs> and it's a great reason for anything. And the reverse of that is a great reason for doing something. Well, I have uh, often thought about, you know, there, there came a point about 15 years ago when I started getting more and more speaking requests and then started getting paid for it and then started going to a whole other level. And I, I looked back on radio and I thought, now, is this what I'm supposed to do? But what about radio? But radio had changed. It was no longer the, um, the, the personal uh, type of, uh, of a uh, situation that it used to be as a personality on the radio. You have now syndication. You have all kinds of other things. And, of course, you've got the Internet. And now people are listening to podcasts, etc. So I thought, how can I connect that and still deliver my, my radio talent uh, in such a way where I can now uh, do this on a weekly basis, and that's why I created my podcast. Well, recently, I met with uh, the local station of the uh, Salem Broadcasting Network here in San Antonio, KLUP, and we've made a deal uh, for my co- podcast to air on Saturday evenings at 6 o'clock every week. Hmm, that's cool. So it's kind of a neat thing to have a radio show, which is what you would call it if it was just that, and a podcast, which is now on the web and on through that. And right here in front of everyone right now, Tom, I'd like to ask you to be my guest. Yes. I think <laughs> I think I said that earlier. My answer to things is just yes. All right. Absolutely. We're doing All that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, without, 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 without question. There's no, there's no hard sell on that one. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. So the one thing I want to say that you were a really good example. I'd never met you really before the other day, but you were a really good example of someone who just takes action. So I, I meant to close that speech I did at the National Speakers Association by offering somebody the chance to be on the podcast. But then I sort of closed it out as I was leaving the stage. I remembered. So I had written down a little card like, be my guest. And I said, does anyone want to do this? And I held the card up and I just said, who wants to do this? And Hands went up all over the audience. You got up, rushed up to the front, and grabbed the card. And now that I've had the chance to interview you, I'm really not surprised at all that you did that. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I know an opportunity when I see one. That's why I say you, you've got to be looking out. You will find what you're looking for. You know, if you, uh, here's a perfect example. Um, think of the last car that you bought. Uh, and think of when it was you decided that that was the car you were going to get. And between that time and the time you actually got it, all of a sudden, all of these cars in the, <laughs> on the freeway are starting. I didn't even realize there were so many of them. Oh, my gosh. And there's, there's one here. And there's one. It's because you are looking for it. Right. So when you look for opportunity, you will find it. Well, the other thing is the car I drive happens to be like the number one selling car in Texas. So that was inevitable anyway. I drive a Ford Mustang. And oh. <laughs> uh, so, but, but the story behind that is, is in 1982, when I got my driver's license, my brother ended up, he's 10 years my senior, he got yeah. a company car. And when he was 16, he bought a 1966 Ford Mustang and he had restored oh. it and he loved it. But he had a company car that he could drive for personal use and he didn't have a garage. And so he offered the Mustang to me as a loner when I was 15 wow. and a half. 
Um, and so I took the Mustang and then I had it, my dad and I sort of re-restored it and made it nicer. And it was candy apple red with a black vinyl roof. It looked like the old Armor All commercial back in the 80s uh, where they mm. restored a, a red Mustang. It was the same car. It wasn't actually my car, but we restored ours to look like that one. And uh, it was awesome. I drove it all through high school, took it to college. And then when my mother passed away, my brother had quit his job and was traveling, came back and took the car away. So I, I always say, you know, I lost my mother and my car all within a week. Aww. But uh, he still has the car for what that's worth. He has kept the car his whole life. He's, you know, he's six. 60 years old, he still has the car, but he, um, but the thing was, I always wanted another one, but a 50 year old car made no sense. So a couple years ago, I went and got a bright red, uh, 2014 Ford Mustang and my daughters started pointing out that this was a teenage boy car. Yes, there were a lot of them, but they were being driven by 16 to 18 year old boys. And (laughs) every time I pull up next to like one of these 2014, 15 red Mustangs, I look over and there's like an 18 year old driving the car. And I'm like, yeah, I have a boy. I have a teenager car. Hey, you know, you're not hurting anybody. That's right. Well, I'm a teenager at heart. So exactly. So, but I will, I will tell you holding up that card saying who wants to be on the show is a risk because I could have ended up with a total dud of a guest and yet no. it could have happened. And then, and yet sometimes when I do that, I get the best guest. You have been fabulous with the information and the example that you have shared. And the truth is we could keep talking about Sonny all day long because you've done such interesting things. But I love to ask the people who come on this show about entrepreneurs that they think are cool because I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So we're always watching. So who is it that you look at and say, wow, that person, they're doing cool things. Well, you know, one of the people would be Oprah, you know, because of the fact that, she, again, she fits that that model like uh, uh, like Dick Clark in that she has created this entire empire. And she's also so inspiring. See, that's what I love about the, the speaking business is you get a chance not only to to give information to to wow people, but you get to inspire them. And when people can remember what it is. Uh, you did to make them feel a certain way, that's when they really leave with part of you. Mm. You know, they'll not, you've heard the, the, uh, the phrase, uh, they'll never remember what you said, but they'll remember how they, you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it's really true. And that's what I strive to do. And, and I'll tell you another part of the experience that you and I had at uh, the National Speakers Association meeting in Austin, uh, there was an incredible speaker who's one of the oldest speakers in the, uh, in fact, she was one of the first members of the association, and that is Lee Matsugamba. Yeah, she's 93 years old. It, and she was incredible. We could have listened to her all day. Yeah, but they had, and, to, they had to get her off the stage so you could listen to me. <laughs> she, she went first, I went second, so. <laughs> and she paid you a great compliment by, by saying uh, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that you were kind of, she was like your opening act or something like that. But... Uh, Another thing that happened was she, at the end of her presentation, had this thing where everybody put their card into a into a, this uh, container, and she pulled out a card and said, uh, "I'm going to give a, a, a coaching session right uh, to one person." Well, guess whose card she picked? Yeah, you won that. You won both prizes, as it turned out. <laughs> I tell you, I was a double winner. I should have bought a lottery <laughs> ticket on the way home. But uh, you know, I, I think that everything she said this to me. She says, "Now you know." I believe that everything happens for a reason. Don't you think, don't you believe that? I said, absolutely, Lee. Absolutely. So this dear lady who's incredible, uh, like a guru, uh, will be a, you know, will be a wonderful mentor to me 
uh, just as you have been, just with your our conversation here. No, this, I got to tell you, I felt like I was at Starbucks. <laughs> well, awesome. Hey, the <laughs> last question I ask everybody is, is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we have a responsibility to do more than just make money. I think we have to do something to help society. So, so what do you do? I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I do th- things that especially have to do uh, with uh, with kids and bettering the lives of, uh, of children. In fact, um, since uh, since the time that I started in radio, I've uh, visited over 1,100 schools, uh, not only in, in San Antonio, but throughout the country, in Los Angeles as well, and uh, giving them the message of uh, being able to do whatever it is they, they want to do. And then during the, the whole Just Say No uh, era, I was uh, doing these Just Say No uh, presentations, which I do to this day. In fact, uh, I'm getting ready to do one at the uh, Alamo Dome in San Antonio uh, with uh, 6,000 kids for the uh, safety patrol program, which hmm. I was in when I was a kid. <laughs> and I've, this is going to be my 29th year doing that. Wow. But I'll tell you that this, that the, uh, the city of San Antonio surprised me uh, back in uh, 1997, and they renamed a, con- a community center uh, after me. And it's deep in the poorest side of town, the west side of San Antonio. And so what I've done is I've spent the last 15 years having connecting the haves with the have-nots and bringing all kinds of resources to the, uh, the community center from uh, uh, internet service to haircuts. We did a thousand haircuts the day before school started. We've done shoes, toys, Thanksgiving. We feed all these families. Uh, so it's been really a labor of love. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. And congratulations that they gave you that honor. That that lives on. That's, fabu- that's fabulous. Hey, Sonny, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. If somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, I need to know more about this Sonny person, how do they find you? Just uh, go to my website, SonnyMelendrez.com. That's S-O-N-N-Y-M-E-L-E-N-D-R-E-Z.com. And uh, you'll also find a link to the podcast there. Uh, and very soon you will see... Tom's face as my special guest on the podcast. Awesome. I look forward to I look forward to being that guest. And thank you very much, like I said, for being here with us. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So if you like cool things entrepreneurs do, I've got a couple of requests for you. Number one, go tell everyone you've ever met. No, just go tell a friend, someone who's into this whole idea of entrepreneurship. Tell them to listen to a couple episodes. Go over to iTunes and subscribe. The subscribe button's the most important thing. If you have 10 friends and you get them all to subscribe, that would be awesome. It'd be like the old Breck commercial. They told two friends and they told two friends because that's the way the show gets ranked, which allows more people to find it. Uh, And go ahead and leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show and let me know what it is you like about the show, if there was any guests that really has stood out. Uh, It just makes my day better when there's a new comment on iTunes. So please go and do that. And if you want to find out about me, you can go to TomSinger.com. You can find us on Facebook, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Of course, there is the Twitter, which is at Cool Podcast. And if you want to join the group coaching program, it's kind of one of my favorite things I've got going. It's small, but it's mighty. We hold a couple of video calls every week where people can log on and we talk about their career potential. And not just me, but everybody in the group shares ideas on what people can do to accomplish more and get across that gap between potential and results. You can find out everything about that at potentialmastermind.com. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Sonny. I know you're thinking, how will you ever find anybody just as cool as Sonny? But I will, I promise. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you, go out there and have a great day. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.